Welcome to MTSU On The Record. I'm Jenna Logue. In the second of our two-part series with Dr. Sean Foley, a professor of history, we examine the Saudis' ventures into film and television in creating an environment where expression in the arts is freer. Foley is the author of the book Changing Saudi Arabia, Art, Culture, and Society in the Kingdom. Artistic change in Saudi Arabia, after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Carol Van West, director of the Center for Historic Preservation and Tennessee State Historian, is leading the planning for Tennessee's celebration of the 250th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence, which was signed in 1776. The first event will take place in May 2022, with more events leading up to the celebration itself in 2026. Tennessee did not officially become a state until 1796, but West said relationships between settlers from North Carolina and Virginia, two of the original 13 colonies, date to the late 1760s. And a $447,000 U.S. Department of Education grant is helping MTSU's Master of Science in Professional Science program meet the national need to deliver outstanding engineering management graduates into the workforce. The U.S. Department of Education's Graduate Assistance in Areas of National Need program is supporting MTSU engineering management students with the grant. The program provides fellowships to assist graduate students with excellent academic records who demonstrate a financial need and plan to pursue the highest degree in the field designated as an area of national need. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Okay, I heard a Jewish comic tell this joke once, and I, I'm not Jewish, but uh, it was about a male, which is a person who performs circumcisions sure. in the Jewish faith. And he said, my cousin, the male, has malpractice insurance. The agency gave him a two-inch deductible. Bum, bum. Right. Okay. Uh, if I'm a Jewish comic and I say that joke in the Catskills, it's going to get an immediate response, probably laughter, because everybody is familiar with the religious right, R-I-T-E. Right. Uh, but... If I'm an American in a Saudi audience, is a Saudi comic going to do jokes that are specific to Saudi culture that will go right over this American's head? Sure, absolutely. But also, they're they're just as connected to us. They're watching Netflix, Arabia, just like we are. They're involved. Remember, we had thousands of students traveling to the United States. We had over 100,000 at times Saudi students over the last decade, a year studying the United States. Many of them actually studied at Middle Tennessee State University. So um, where the lines are between their culture and our culture are much blurrier than you might think. And in fact, one of the remarkable things is how much if you're going to understand something, um, you have to be able to understand no English and Arabic. I'll give you an example. Um, there's a, a video um, called Samri King. Now, Samri is a type of dance. Okay. Now, in English, it's Samri King. And what they did is they didn't use in Arabic. The Arabic word for king. The Arabic word for king is malik. Instead, they use kink. Now, kink, not a word in Arabic. Doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. But if you know English, you understand what they're applying is king. Uh In the same way. Now, why do they do that? Now, they're not talking about the king in any way. But they want to make certain that nobody makes that 
mistake. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when you talk about politics, that's an example of, and those type of mm-hmm. jokes, that's an excellent example of it. And that's a video, for instance, that includes all different types, Samari King, um, that includes all different types of, of, of things. Um, it includes an Obama head, includes a, um, a different types of cultural references. They're watching all the same movies that we are. Many of them know English. Um, and again, that's an example of a joke. It's a, the title's mm-hmm. a joke. The kink joke reminds me of the way the Smothers Brothers in the 60s got around doing mari- the censors, the network censors, so that they could do marijuana jokes by doing a skit called Tea with Goldie. Right. Well, the, the network censors were of a particular generation and a particular socioeconomic class that they didn't know that jazz musicians had been calling marijuana tea right, for, for yeah, oh, absolutely. decades. And, absolutely. And there are all types of things. Look, they understand. Um, again, Garam says very famously about and this. And by the way, I should note one of the wonderful things about these generations of artists is many of them actually come from the same place. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them come from the South, which is not the center of the country. Garam, the, the initial artistic movement there. Mm-hmm. And several of the merry, initial generation of comedians mm-hmm. actually came from the South also. And so Alakothamy, good example of that. And Alakothamy um, actually worked with Garam. When I was doing my research, I went to go visit Alakothamy's studio called Telfaz 11. And one of the amazing things I looked up and I saw in Kothamy's office, in this big office for Telfaz 11, paintings by Garam. Uh-huh. And I'm going, okay, now I need to actually ask, okay, these people talk, and they are. He's providing advice. How would they do it? They'd meet in a majlis. Yeah. Where else? Um, but those types of things are all very much there. A Telfus 11 is another example of that. I mean, an example. Saudis were very aware of the events going on in the Arab Spring, almost 10 years, uh, remarkably, almost 10 years ago now. Right. Uh, um, and they had to figure out how are we going to talk about it. Very difficult. They were watching it on their television. I remember interviewing a, a government official, and it was remarkable. I was talking to him, but his eyes were clearly on the television screen. Um, senior official in government glued to television screen because for them Cairo it was Cairo and Egypt Egypt's physically close many of them have connections many of them watch you know Egyptian movies it was very visceral for them very important but no one wanted to talk about it obvious reasons right so what did they do well one thing they had jokes about it there was comedy routines about that um one one great comedy routine talked about included both the flooding of Jeddah as well as what was happening. And it noted that the president of Egypt, a man named Mubarak, was going to come to Egypt, was going to come to Jeddah and retire, and that he'd be in water skis, <laughs> which was a way of talking not only about what was going on in Cairo, but also about the issues with, with water and flooding. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an example. What they did, though, with Telfaz 11, was absolutely brilliant, came up with this name. They said, okay, why are we going to call this Telfaz 11? Well, Telfaz is the same word, television, French word for television. They, they named their television network that, YouTube television network like that. They said, okay, why are we going to call it 11? Well, it's the great year where Arabs cha- transformed things and showed the world why we called ourselves this name. I saw the video of the woman water skiing down the street, and she was covered in the – she was totally covered. Her right. was covered. Her entire body was covered. It was uh, a juxtaposition of, of images that in and of itself shows you the, the contradictions in society and, and how uh, Saudi is not what we in the West think it is. Absolutely. Nor is it necessarily what Saudis think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there, there are a society of, of several hundred tribes. Vast differences between what life is like in Riyadh versus what life is like in Jeddah. Vast differences between cultures in, in different parts of the kingdom in the south 
um, relig different religious traditions um, are, are present. There's Shia in certain parts of the country, different types of Shia. I should note Shia is one form of Islam. Sunni is the other. Most Saudis are Sunnis, but there are important groups who are Shia. Those exist too. Um, in fact, one of the most difficult things that, um, that I've had to deal with, both my wife and I had to deal with when we were in the kingdom, was when she'd have to veil and when she wouldn't. And she said, is there a universal rule? And the answer is it depends on who, you with, who you're with. There's certain households we'd go in where everyone would take off the, where I could sit easily as I would in an American household. Everyone would dress normally. Other ones, I would be escorted into the male part of the house. She would be in the female part of the house, depending on the context. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that diversity itself, just a small minor thing like that, um, gives you an idea of their kingdom and the different types of contradictions that are there. And they're already living with it. They've got to figure out how do we deal with this? And it reminds me, I had a good friend who was here from overseas, and he visited both Boston and visited here in the South. He very much liked the South. He had never been to the South before. Um, people here were very nice to him. But he could, he could sense the enormous differences. Cultural, eating, food, timing, you name it. How do you deal with that? And that's something that I think that the Saudis might be able to teach us. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the Record. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Concrete Industry Management Program at MTSU fills the need for trained personnel who know concrete technology and techniques. Our alumni go into the marketplace grounded in basic math and science and able to promote products or services related to the industry. Our participation in the academic common market ensures talented students in other states a chance to enroll on an in-state tuition basis. This is Dr. Heather Brown, director of the program. To find out more information on this or other university programs, visit mtsunews.com. The book is called Changing Saudi Arabia, Art, Culture, and Society in the Kingdom by Dr. Sean Foley, Professor of History. You alluded to movies a moment ago. I checked the list of Academy Award winners for Best Foreign Language Film, and none of them was from Saudi Arabia in the entire history of that particular Oscar category. The Soviet Union, yes. Various Eastern Bloc nations during the Cold War, yes. Also Israel, Palestine, and Lebanon, but not Saudi Arabia. Do you see that changing anytime Absolutely. soon? Absolutely. Well, let's say they've only had a couple that have ever been submitted. Um, Watched it was one. Another movie called Baraka meets ba uh, Baraka meets Baraka is another one. Um, another fundamental, fascinating film. Um, get that in a moment. But yeah, so far I th there is no question they've begun. Just last year they um, they began allowing movie theaters for the first time, um, at least in public settings they had not done before. And there is a developing movie industry. There are films that are being done. Baraka, as I said, Baraka meets Baraka and Watched it. Both were critically acclaimed films. Did very well. Um, and both those films are, I think, the, the harbingers of a new film industry. There's a new generation, um, um, dozens of young men and women, many of whom are actually being trained in the United States um, at elite film academies um, in either New York or in Los Angeles, and are coming back and are filming films. And the Saudi government would like to have its own domestic film industry. 
Um, it sees it as part of a, a larger framework, I should note, for making, um, for transforming the country from a country that overwhelmingly depends on oil exports to one that depends on services and other types of things. And in fact, there's been a remarkable intersection between the work that the artists have been doing and government and overall government policy. Um, and, and in fact, you can see them, their echoes back and forth. It's a remarkable thing um, to see. Um, sort of saying, okay, we're, we're arguing in this way. And in fact, Baraka meets Baraka is a remarkable movie for two reasons. One, it's two characters, as it turns out. It's a love story between a man and a woman, a man named Hisham Faki, good friend and a very good comedian. Um, and he's, he plays a, um, um, a, a mid-level civil servant. And he ends up falling in love with Fatima Banawi, who plays an elite woman who's a YouTube, who's an Instagram star. Mm -hmm. um, and sort of the key moment in the movie, two key moments in the movie. One is when um, Hisham Faki, his character, criticizes an earlier generation for allowing um, conservative forces after 1979 to dominate the country. It's almost a, it's a soliloquy between him and his father, who's sick, who can't really respond, but it's between generations, criticizing one generation and another saying, look, this is like, why did you allow, we've been a more, less conservative country. Why did you allow this, this change to happen? Remarkably, Mohammed bin Salman, several months later after the movie came out, said almost the same thing word for word. Wow. Wow, which is remarkable. You'd think it would be the other way around. And, and let me add one other thing about Baraka means Baraka. We talk about things being crazy. Part of the reason why it, it's sort of an upstairs, downstairs relationship. He's a, a low level, lower middle class civil servant who falls in love with this elite woman. And part of it, at the end, you, you realize one of the great moments is it turns out the two characters' name is identical. It's, it turns out her real name isn't, isn't what it is in the film, it's Baraka. So how is it that both a man and a woman have the same name? Mm -hmm. um, again, contradictions, yeah. back and forth um, in the film. Um, back and forth are all there. Um, again, this is when we talk about policy and, and things with that. So I, I believe in the long run, um, it's going to be difficult. I, I think there's no question that politics plays a role. Uh, but they're moving towards um, multiple movies. There are multiple, remarkably, multiple female directors. Do the, Are the Saudi movies subtitled in English and do they have the distribution apparatus to send their motion pictures, their feature films worldwide? Yes. Um, one of, Baraka Meets Baraka is actually available on Netflix. And so there, it does have English subtitles. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I've used it in classes before, and I've been, I'm very happy that Hisham actually has even talked to my students. And I should note, one of the wonderful things about that was I did that in a class last fall. And one of my students asked him a question, and he began talking um, about these sort of critical things about he said he said look Hisham, you've gone to school Columbia and you've gone to school Florida State you seem very westernized how do your religious fans take you mm -hmm. you know, how do religious people says look it's not necessarily that way um that I can be both in this way as seemingly outward and western but at the same time also adhere to religious traditions and what was great about that it was it was perfect it was exactly what one of the things that I said in my book but I never talked to Hisham about that and when I gave the book launch of this um, of this book at Georgetown University, it was great to be able to use that quotation. It, it shows, I should note, that as a scholar, we depend not only um, on people like you and, again, uh, administrators also, but also our students. What's going on with television entertainment in Saudi Arabia, if anything? Television entertainment is like here. They're moving in multiple directions at once. Um, NBC is one of the most important. Um, sat they've had satellite 
let me step back. There was a significant change after the Gulf War. Um, this is way back, many 20, 20 plus years, uh, almost 30 years ago now. After the Gulf War, where they, show, they saw the power of CNN to transform yeah. media information. And so many different countries developed satellite channels. Um, one of the most favorite, famous ones yours, um, your audience may be aware of, it's called Al Jazeera, which is based in Qatar, a country next to Saudi Arabia, and in fact, to the same religious tradition, but which has had great animosity and tensions between the two of them in recent years. So in the early um, 1990s, there was a significant move towards satellite television. Al Jazeera is one, um, NBC, which is the one that's largely owned by the Saudi government now, um, partially owned by also a Saudi private citizen, but it's largely government, is one of the most dominant television things. And in fact, people watch, there's terrestrial television, sort of like our mainstream television. Those are three or four channels, including one actually in English. But mainly, most Saudis will watch things either online or on YouTube or um, on these satellite television channels. And it should be noted that one of the things that allowed this movement to take off, which I talk about in this book, is the fact that the Saudi, that the YouTube channels were not as regulated as major television. So that allowed them space to do things, to put things on, on YouTube and transform YouTube into a form of television, um, which is sort of really remarkable. And that form of television allowed them to do two things. First, content-wise, but also once YouTube um, in the early 2010s, allowed for the programming of ads. To us, it's now ubiquitous. That wasn't necessarily the case. That gave them a money platform. And so that meant that they weren't just starving artists. They were making a lot of money. And in fact, Telfast 11, other networks, U-Turn and others, another one called Edies, were able to monetize that in a very significant way and use ads and make a ton of money and also product placement and other types of things. So believe me, they were not starving artists. <laughs> um, it should be noted, of course, that the government also is used as turn to this as well. Um, 80s, for instance, one of its, Majid al-Isa, one of its directors has done a significant amount of work on things that are actually done videos for the government. Um, one example would be a music video that was done uh, two years ago for the Saudi Independence Day, or equivalent to Saudi Independence Day. And another one, actually, it's a, a, a remarkable video of uh, Trump visiting um, Riyadh in 2017. Time for another break. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the Record. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The book is called Changing Saudi Arabia Art, Culture, and Society in the Kingdom by Dr. Sean Foley, Professor of History. How much, if any, of this has to do with the aforementioned Prince Mohammed bin Salman al-Saud, who is only 33 years old? Right. A couple of things. First to say, much of this movement predates him by decades. Um, this, this, The initial parts of this movement get started um, in southern Saudi Arabia in 2002, 2003, so almost 15 plus years before he comes to power. And it should be noted, there are also previous generation of Saudi artists. There were poets, 
Um, there are also singers. Muhammad Abdu is actually a well-known singer, sort of almost like their Elvis or other types of people as they're compared to. So there have been previous generation of artists, but this current generation um, starts in the early 2000s. But Salman MBS is going to transform it in a couple of ways. One, he'll set up his own private foundation that in many ways operates um, like one of these media companies. It also will provide for government assistance in a way that had not been as forthcoming before. Many of these government, these um, media companies and artists had actually operated thanks to either private help from private foundations, um, the Jamil family being one example, or these advertisers. And when MBS came to power, he began a, a fundamental transformation, particularly something called Vision 2030, which sought to modernize Saudi society, but also to allow in um, women um, into places that had not been before, and also to push industries like the arts and, cre and creativity that allowed for people to move out of oil. And so that there was a natural nexus between his ideas with that and those the artists. And in fact, many of the artists have worked directly with his foundation. One of them, Ahmed Matar, actually works directly um, as a senior representative official within MISC's art division. And so there's little question that MBS has pushed that not only at home but abroad. Is this artistic movement pan-Arab? It is. It is a Saudi national movement, but it, it certainly um, is read and viewed by people throughout the region. NBC is probably the dominant, one of the dominant, if not outside of Al Jazeera, one of the dominant satellite channels. And so that they're certainly designing content for the Arab world. It is their natural audience. Sort of Saudi is among the most important. It's size, but also it's the dominance of a class of people who desperately want to do this. Do you see a certain irony in the fact that at a time when the United States and Western Europe are apparently becoming more and more populist and more and more tribal, that this Saudi artistic movement is veering toward egalitarianism? They're a form of tribalism operating within the contemporary world. Saudi Arabia, as I said, is a society of many tribes, mm -hmm. different types of communities and tribes within the country itself. And so part of what they're looking for is finding a way to make to be to to make tribalism work in the contemporary world. And so part of what I say is, look, as we move in a direction where we have a great deal of difficulty dealing with tribes, oftentimes you will hear tribalism is bad. This is something you will hear regularly. Their papa says, okay, if it's here and we have to deal with it, how do we then deal with it? How do we find ways to make tribalism work in the contemporary world? Um, maybe that might be a different way of looking at it than simply yelling and screaming at something that's clearly there and clearly um, both at here and abroad, very much part and parcel of the political landscape. How do we get people who don't agree fundamentally to still be within the same case? How do we make harmony rather than uniformity? Maybe if you cannot have a single answer to a question, perhaps not asking the question or finding a new question to answer might be the way to go. And so part of what I, I, this is what I say about what they give us, what they, they provide us, which I think is wonderful, is a, a fresh questioning, allowing me, not only as a scholar, to say, wait a second, what do I think I know? Mm -hmm. But also our own politics. Part of what they teach us is to think for a moment, can we function in a world in which people are different and are going to see themselves as fundamentally different? Okay, if that's the case, how do we create frameworks in which everybody's voices is included? One of the remarkable things you'll see is you'll see different videos, one um, 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 called One Woman, no, no Woman, No Drive. Mm -hmm. And this, this video came out in 2013. They, they were, it was an example, a perfect example of what you said about, about politics. Um, and they did in, in comedy. They actually did it on the same day as a driving protest. Mm -hmm. And it's a video about women driving. 
Whoa, what do you, that would be the last day, except their answer was, oh, we just want people to let off steam. It's just a joke, right? Wink. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, wink. say no more. Right. Now, what's remarkable about this is that most of us who watch this video, if you watch it, it's the video, it's a five, four, a little over four minute video, and it, it actually comes from um, No Woman, No Cry. It's based on that, Bob Marley. Right. Straight in. But again, with a Saudi context, they're dressed in Saudi clothing and that. Now, most people who watch that see it as a satire, as a satire on the rules that, have, that prohibit women driving. Mm-hmm. Yet plenty of other people in the kingdom saw it as a reaffirmation of it. And part of it is finding artistic ways where everybody can see in what they want to see. Again, it's akin to something like All in the Family. Yes, it's some people uh, related to Archie Bunker and found a soulmate in him, and then others saw how ridiculous he was. Right, absolutely. The, you know, the, his son-in-law is the one who's always seemingly the progressive right one. Mm-hmm. Yet who's the center of the show? It's Archie. Right. It's the same thing, absolutely. Um, and indeed, the, the same thing about comedy, part of what makes the best comedy work is I'm just telling you a joke that's all in the family. Unless, you know, effectively, as Joe Rivers, I think, said very famously, I'm just saying what everybody else is already thinking but hasn't said. I think when I was talking about tribalism in the West, I was thinking more in terms of the fact that we seem to be careening into our tribalism seems to be making us careen into uh, isolationism, whereas the Saudis are anything but isolationist. Absolutely. Oh, in that context, certainly. And part of this is what I, part of what I, um, how do you assert uh, American values and supporting wanting to Americans and putting us first while also not alienating the rest of the world? How do you do that? Um, how do you assert those two very fundamental things that should be? You we want haven't some, figured that out yet, right. have we? But we, it's difficult. This is a hard <laughs> thing to do. And um, a, absolutely hard thing to do and a fundamental tension of our politics. How do we blend those things? How do we assert those two very right things? Um, how do we take care of our own people but also function in a world where we've got to cooperate with others? That's part of what I say about the Saudis offer us. How do you find a way to create art that is recognizably Saudi? But it's also something that we can all see that the rest of the world can laugh at as well. The book is called Changing Saudi Arabia, Art, Culture, and Society in the Kingdom. And it's published by Lynn Lynn Reiner Reiner Publishers. In Boulder and London. Yes, it is. It's actually one of the, I believe, the only um, independent publisher in the United States. They actually published my previous book. I cannot thank them enough for the positive experience I had working with them. It's a great book. We've got pictures and other things. And again, um, it's, a, it's a product of an opportunity to work not only this, um, not only this institution but um, with my students, but also Saudis and many others, including artists who were very generous with their time, like you've been today. Thank you, Sean, and thank you for this very enlightening two-part show. Thank you. We'll be right back. The Experiential Learning Scholars Program at MTSU gives students a chance to go outside the classroom and obtain hands-on experience in their chosen fields of study. They'll have the opportunity to give something back to the community through service learning as they gain acceptance for graduate study. Students should be able to select EXL-designated courses from major requirements and general studies requirements to complete the 16 to 18 hours of EXL coursework. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, Go to mtsunews.com. The Concrete Industry Management Program at MTSU fills the need for trained personnel who know concrete technology and techniques. Our alumni go into the marketplace grounded in basic math and science and able to promote products or services related to the industry. Our participation in the academic common market ensures talented students in other states a chance to enroll on an in-state tuition basis. 
This is Dr. Heather Brown, director of the program. To find out more information on this or other university programs, visit mtsunews.com. Randy Weiler has the middle moment. MTSU Scholars Week organizers and committee members look forward to it returning on campus in April 2021 after the coronavirus pandemic forced the cancellation of all events except a virtual poster session this spring. David Butler, Vice Provost for Research, shares more information. I want to thank all of the researchers at MTSU, faculty, graduate students, and undergraduate alike, as well as the Scholars Week committee and staff at ORSP, in particular Jamie Burge, for coming together in creating a fantastic virtual Scholars Week online for 2020. There are outstanding posters and research, a lot of innovation and creativity that can be viewed online at the site. And we're looking forward to Scholars Week 2021, which we expect to be even another record-breaking year with the innovative research, creative activity, and other inquisitive uh, activities that are happening here on campus being shared with both the campus community and the uh, citizens around the community and the university. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.